This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everybody, welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast with me Ian Doyle. Joining me today is not our full-time Liverpool correspondent, both home and away, James Pearce, he's away. However, we are joined by the tallest member of the sports desk, Paul Gorst. Hello Paul. Hello Ian. How are you? Yeah, not bad actually, yeah. Looking yeah. forward to uh, Echo FC uh, resuming hostilities later on tonight. Uh, interesting, what was the last score? Uh, we won 14-1, uh, but I wasn't involved. And so. there were absolutely no ringers whatsoever, were there? No, not at all. Echo employees from top to bottom. Also joined by Sean Bradbury. Hi, Sean. Hello, Ian. How are we doing? I'm still fine, thank you very much. And also Kiva O'Neill. Hi. Hello, Ian. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. That is fine. Now, Kiva, I'll start with you because I know that you were at the game yesterday. Liverpool took yeah. on Chelsea. A big game in the context of the Premier League uh, title. And also a big game in the context of Liverpool's season. It's always a big game when Chelsea come to town. But Liverpool, for the first time, I think, since 2012, beat them at Anfield and it was a big victory, wasn't it? Yeah, it felt huge. I mean, I was sat in the main stand and five years ago when we played Chelsea and got beat 2-0 and Gerard slipped and everything. I was like literally adjacent to him. It just felt like a totally different game and a totally different feeling. Like that could never happen to this team. And there was moments where after we scored a couple and Chelsea went on a bit of a chaotic sort of look like Liverpool are going to capitulate, but we just didn't. We were just like, and it was just so nice in the sat, like the crowd, everything just felt like, I don't think I've ever been a part of it when it has felt as loud as that. After them two goals, there was just like a buzz and a feeling of, wow, even though like we'd all just watched Palace like get a goal and it gave us a little bit of hope thinking City might drop points. Everyone was watching that um, on the tellies and then you go in, obviously 3-1, they got beat, so no drop points from City. So we just had to do our thing and, and we did. So, you know, just really positive experience at Anfield and the crowd was great and Obviously, them two goals were great. Salas will go down in history. Wona was one of the best ever. Just absolutely. I didn't even really see it, him hit it. Like, it just sort of hit the net. It was one of them goals where you're just like, wow. Like, I was like, I think I've missed it, but I watched it. Like, how can that happen? But yeah, just great day out. I mean, Sean, obviously, you've been to quite a few Liverpool games in your time, but you were unfortunately not there on, exactly. on Sunday. Now, watching on television, did that atmosphere that Kiva just mentioned did that come across certainly because in the wake of when Mohamed Salah scored his goal you know it all it all went off as the kids would say um, <laughs> did, it, did it sound like that watching it on television hugely yeah we, we, were, we were all in the office and we all remarked on it because you know when you, when you get a great goal and you get a good celebration you, there's always a bit of noise but even, even on the telly that sounded huge and the thing that came across for me was you know normally you get a big cheer don't you everyone goes yes and then, then you get a bit of clapping this was just a sustained noise for like what seemed like 10, 15, 20 seconds. I, I haven't heard many like that. I suppose this season, games I've been to, maybe maybe the PSG one where Firmino, he come off the bench and he got, the, got that late winner. That was huge. Obviously, Origi in the derby. But I think like Kiva says, even even watching it on telly, um, you could you could, you could hear that that was absolutely special. And, and you know, the game itself was, it was an emphatic answer after City had um, done the business earlier in the day. And that's the thing. I, that's been the hallmark of this Liverpool side for me this season and they, they proved it again there it's how they, they keep on answering questions you know if it's at the minute it's it's City you know setting the pace and um, them going top and Liverpool have to come back and answer them but even even all the kind of wider things like earlier on the season it was all about will the front free click what they have and they're, they're all scoring now they're all in the goals all doing well oh, you know are Liverpool going to bottle it well not at all they're, they're still keeping pace with City um, you know it, they're just they're just they've proven themselves time and time again and, uh, and yeah more of the same yesterday 
I mean, looking at the the runnings from the international break onwards, I think I think Liverpool had seven games to go, City had eight, and I was always of the opinion, uh, Paul, that Liverpool's hardest games were the first three, which was Tottenham at home, Southampton away, and Chelsea at home, and City's are the ones that are to come, which is Tottenham at home, uh, United away, and Burnley away, and you could even add in uh, Leicester at home in that. In terms of the Premier League as well, that's not counting any Champions League games, but. In terms of Liverpool's Premier League title challenge, I always thought Chelsea was the one game. I'd be, you know, I'd been saying for months that this was the one game that this is what could determine whether or not Liverpool can win the league. And for me, now I think it's a fifty-fifty call. I know if City win all their games, they they're obviously going to win it. But I think the message that Liverpool sent out there, you know, I think a lot of people were kind of hoping that City could drop a point at Palace. But for me, that never really that was never really on. It's these games that are coming, and Liverpool have got through their tough games and taken nine points. Yeah, and now you look ahead to the, the final four games and you can't really see Liverpool dropping any points because it's not a case of complacency setting in with this team, um, especially not at this this point of the season. So, yeah, you wouldn't have found too many people disagreeing with you there, saying that obviously Liverpool's toughest few games of the season with Spurs and, and Southampton and Chelsea and, and Cities are still to come, but they've got a massive week coming up when they're playing Tottenham uh, and, and Manchester United. Um it's all, you know, all minds are going to be focused on that Saturday afternoon game now, aren't they? Tottenham against uh, against City and coming so soon after they play, is it Wednesday? The they play on Wednesday, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a huge week for Manchester City and Liverpool can kind of sit back a little bit and they, they can take the distraction of the Champions League, the welcome distraction of it, with the 2 0 lead against Porto and the pressure just piled back on City. And I think it is a bit of a cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason. I think if you asked, most people, what would they rather have? The points on the board or the game in hand? They'd take the points. And all Liverpool can do now is just go and take maximum points from their remaining games and, and see where they land on May 12th. We'll talk about the goal and the, the Salah goal. I mean, again, are we saying Salah or Salah? I can never ever get this right. It's every week. Yeah, it's every week. Mo's goal, anyway. <laughs> uh, in the press box where me, I was sat next to James Pierce, we were right behind it and... Yeah, I'm not one to get excited by very much, but the minute the minute that it left his foot, this is well before it hit the back of the net. Obviously, when I say well before, literally it's about one second in between those two things happening. But you could tell straight away that's in. Oh, that's got a chance. So the keeper might not get that. Is it that hard, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. So I was like, oh. And then obviously, a second later, James is on my back, hugging <laughs> me, and all that kind of stuff. But in terms of goals of this season, Liverpool's best goal this season, Sean. And in terms of importance when you add in the fact it was Chelsea and it's kind of sealed the win and the fact that the crowd we've mentioned just then the difference it made to the crowd and the momentum that it can bring is it Liverpool's most important goal this season? I'm actually going to say Sturridge at Chelsea mm, that's interesting um, only yeah. because at that point I think Liverpool was it six or seven games in the league unbeaten yeah. and that mm, was the yeah. one it just felt like that was crucial to keep momentum going there I think if that sal- obviously that Salah goal was, was fantastic like you say it, it sealed effectively sealed the points uh, at the weekend but I think if that had been the winner or, or the opener, um, then I probably would have promoted that to, to the best one. But that storage one, um, I just remember the, the celebrations around that and like looking at the away end. And that, that felt like Liverpool, not Liverpool had to do that to keep pace with, with, with City at that time. But, but the title, this title race just felt like it had started by then. It was, you know, it was serious from, from the outset. Um, and even that six, seven games in just felt like Liverpool, Liverpool meant business. And, you know, in terms of technique, they're, they're both stunning strikes. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going storage. So is that your favourite goal? Um, in terms of the okay, not not favourite, but this season in terms of best. And forget the context, just the purest strike, the best goal. 
I think it's it's a bit of a 50-50 between those two. That, that Salah one, though, I think it's because it was slightly different to most of his ones. Some of his stunners last season, they were kind of curlers yeah. where he kind of mm. hit it with his instep. This one, he just absolutely leathered it, uh, put his foot straight through it. And I think Klopp said afterwards, didn't he, that he had, he had a great view right down the line of it. Um, I think if I'd been at the game, I might be saying Salah. But... <laughs> <laughs> Kiva, I know you just said then that he'll go down in history. I know you said he was going to go down in history as one of the you, great goals. You was it? You can't even sort of almost say that like there's been any because even like Toby Alderweireld's own goal is arguably more important than that goal yesterday and Salah's influence on that is more important than his goal yesterday because we were leading 1-0 then we were drawing his goal against Southampton absolutely crucial and that was a goal that he shouldn't really score because you're thinking the whole time just play a fruit of Firmino and he doesn't and then the shot sort of like it closes down because he's closed down by Redmond and Bertrand, I think, isn't it? And you're thinking, oh, he's never going to get away with this one, but he just finds that little... So that's probably up there, but then there's stupid goals, like, not stupid, but, like, in terms of, like, less beautiful goals, like penalties, like James Miller against mm. Fulham and stuff like that, so... there's Origi there's, um, against Everton. Yeah, yeah, and, like, snide goals like that, which are absolutely <laughs> wonderful. So, you know, even, like, when Aldham's headed against Tottenham in the um, at Wembley and stuff like that, there's... I don't think I could choose because there's just so many good goals, but that was what's, some, some strength. What's the best one in terms of technique then? Would you say that one or... I think it's between that and storage, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, storage is beautiful on it, but I think that yesterday, because like you say, he did just hit it. There was no sort of... He didn't... A lot of the time you'll see him try and make a more beautiful goal, but that, in fact, was probably his most beautiful because he just hit it. It was like an instinct where usually he'll try and like curl it only into the top corner. Mm. And we haven't seen that really working for him this season as much. No. Last season he was curling them left, right and centre, weren't he? Yeah. But this this year it doesn't seem to be coming off for him. So maybe this is the new, is the this, new style of goal. Is this league only this discussion? Because I think Mane, Mane and Munich's got a, got a shout mm. just because it was just three perfect touches. Uh, but if I say league goals, yeah, I think. Ghosty. Yeah, I agree with Kiva. I've never really seen Salah hit it as powerfully as that. He normally does try to curl it away from the goalkeeper into the corners, doesn't he? And um, when he was on that barren barren run of was it eight games, um, he was trying that at times, and keepers were comfortably holding it. Or it was too too straight down the middle for them. And with that one, he's just absolutely hammered it, hasn't he? And hopefully that might um, see him change tactics a little bit when he's outside the box and he, and he tries to power them in a little bit more because he showed yesterday he, when he gets the, the power and the accuracy he, he's got the ability to do it and um, I would say it's either Salah or Sturridge for, for goals of the season but I, I think when, you, when you're talking about best goals I always think you have to take into account the importance of them as well uh, so I think Sturridge might get the nod because that was last gasp saved the point that if Liverpool didn't get they wouldn't be top you know well, they'd only be a point ahead at the moment and, and City would have a, a, that little bit more of a cushion. Chelsea so. were unbeaten at that time mm. as well. Yeah, and yeah. So, um, yeah, you, you do have to take into account the, the importance of the goal as, as much as the, the beauty and the aesthetic beauty of it. So, I'd go with storage for Liverpool's goal of the season. Well, that was Liverpool's second goal against Chelsea. The, the all-important opener, of course, was called, scored by even Sadio Mane and... Sean, it was good work by Jordan Henderson, who again seemed to revel in that slightly more forward role. I mean, we'll, we'll touch a bit later on about the uh, the other two midfielders who I thought were excellent as well. But 
you know, it was the game changing moment, wasn't it? That drive down to the byline and clipping it across and Manny heading it in. And uh, Jurgen Klopp said afterwards it reminded him a little bit of a, of a goal scored by Dejan Lovren against Dortmund, we might remember. <laughs> yeah, there were absolutely parallels. And I think you spot on Henderson in recent games. It was, it was after that international break where I think those England games, maybe in the cameos he had where he was playing as an eight, a bit more advanced. And this conversation he, he, he's, mm. he's told us he's had with Klopp about uh, playing a bit further forward. But. It, in a, it, it is a bit of a surprise because obviously we've seen him deeper for a while, but I suppose it's just an unexpected kind of windfall of, of, of Fabinho coming in and being able to do that job. And it's not like he hasn't done it before for us, is it? In, in uh, 2013-14, Henderson was was a bit more further forward. He was the dynamic player we're, we're kind of seeing of late. Um, yeah, so long may that continue. I think that goal as well just showed, we said this on a lot of pods, that the fact that Mane is quite literally sometimes getting more room because of like what you have to do to to keep Salah quiet, and it was just it was just brilliant work from all of them, from Salah, Firmino, uh, and Henderson. So yeah, just a, a fantastic goal as well. Yeah, lovely, absolutely, absolutely <laughs> lovely. Um, but Jordan Henderson, just as a whole, he's obviously somebody who was very frustrated a couple of weeks ago when he wasn't involved in, from the start. He's obviously the Liverpool skipper. He wants to be there. And of course, Chelsea five years ago, we have to make mention of it again. He wasn't playing because he'd been sent off. He was suspended uh, because he'd been sent off against City. So he was very keen to make, not make amends, but make an impact. And he, he certainly did that, didn't he? Yeah, it would have been hard watching that game from the stands. As you know, I was there. It was very difficult. But um, yeah, it was... It was nice for him to sort of have that impact. And he's had such a, like you say, about the 2013-14 season, Gerrard was that deep lion midfielder and Henderson was more forward and he scored like the important goal against Man City, was it? And then obviously he gets the, the book and so he can't play in the next game or he gets a ban. Um, so yeah, that was just like, I remember watching a little bit of England when he come on against Montenegro, I think it was. He just looked like, Energized, and I was like, "Whoa, slow down, Jordan! You're playing for England, eh? Like, keep, keep calm. Do this for Liverpool." But he's just sort of taken that energy from like what was maybe a 15 minute cameo, like you say, and he's just seemed to have brought that to every game now. That he, and he hasn't started every game since then. But when he's come on or he has started, he's just he's just been like the, like he looks young again. Like, and he's not that old, but he just he looks like he's got fighting spirit in him and I feel like that's what this title race is, is doing to him and it's a good thing for Liverpool because obviously Fabinho and Keita have given more more room to manoeuvre almost and the fans aren't on his back as much because he's not having to play a role that he isn't really comfortable in although he's played it for years and would still do a job if we need to, needed him to but he just seems to be happy and it's, it's nice to see like Salah getting his goal against Southampton it sort of lifts that burden off a player and I think it did the same for Henderson with his goal and assist that night it just kind of goes the fans sort of you know go wow these are really good players and we're just going to support what they're doing for Liverpool I mean energy is an interesting point there because with Liverpool having rotated the midfield and not been able to settle on one uh, throughout this throughout the season and to be fair Jurgen Klopp's never said he was ever going to do that it was always going to be horses for courses for him Everybody seems to be quite fresh in that engine room. I mean, you look at Genie Wan Aldum hasn't started the last couple of games. We mentioned then Jordan Henderson, Naby Keita barely featured for for weeks, and now he's back in the starting lineup. Fabinho didn't play for the first couple of months, and he was rested, I think, for the Tottenham game, wasn't it? So all the players now they seem to have that extra spring in the step just at the moment where the important games are coming thick and fast, and the intensity means that they're going to need to be at hundred percent. Yeah, I think to play in a game club midfield, you need to be, um, you need to have great stamina levels, don't you, and, and energy about the pitch. 
So I think I think he's benefited from having so many, and he, and he he brought in two in the summer, didn't he, uh, to counteract and Ray Chan leaving. So he, he's got loads of options, and he's he's juggled it throughout virtually every game. You know, you can name the back five without blinking, and the, and the front three picks itself. So it's it's always been the midfield three every every game, and he's managed it well. And and as Kiva says, you, you're seeing like a kind of a renewed energy from Jordan Henderson, and I think freeing him up to play in that number eight role has been a bit of a masterstroke the last few games because. You come on against Southampton, you could see what it meant for him to score and that chat that he had with Jürgen Klopp has, has paid dividends and it was just an outpouring of, of relief almost when, when he, he scored and then he just carried that on. I thought he was great against Porto last week um, and again bursting into the box supplying assists, which um, a lot of people have been critical of him for not doing when he's been playing in, in the number six role. So um, just freeing him up, it's just giving him a new lease of life and um, I'm excited to see how he uh, basically continues for, for the remainder of the season. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I mean, we'll talk then about Fabinho and Case. We'll do Fabinho first. I mean, his, his challenge on Aiden Hazard very early on, where he cl- cleanly won the ball and Hazard went down. That kind of, the crowd loved that, Sean. And, and it did set a tone, certainly for Fabinho, that he was going to be all over the place. In the first half, he was he was closing the gaps. A bit harder in the second half, but he wasn't alone in that when Chelsea ramped it up for those 10 minutes. But you know, overall, Fabinho again, I thought he'd been slightly off his game the last couple of games. I know not everybody agreed with me in, in one of those, but I had one or two people who did. But this was more like him, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, that, that challenge set the tone and, was was something for the players to be inspired by and the crowd to feed off and you know that that's part of what he does isn't it in that in that deeper number six role um yeah and I, I think just touching on what course he said it is it is so hard to be a Liverpool midfielder you know you're, you're invariably in a three you might be playing uh, you know against the four that might you know there's always feels like there's a lot of opposition players swarming around you and there's just so much to do so much defensive work and then having to get forward as well but I think Fabino's influence you, you can see not only in his own play but the fact that other players, who are, the ones who are playing that little bit ahead of him, since he's been a much more regular fixture in the team, I think they've just been doing better. Like Caters, um, kind of hit his stride mostly with, with Fabinho behind him. You know, Wine Alden, think back to that Bournemouth game where where he got his goal, playing a bit further forward. And like like we've all just said about Henderson, I think um, you know it wasn't necessarily a midfield trio that people a few, a few months ago would have been calling and looking to see, but that. Whoever you want, if you want one Alden or Cater, and then Fabinho behind them, and Henderson now at number eight, it's it's just looking like it, it could be the recipe for success for the the running for Liverpool. Keith, it's interesting that we're getting to this important stage of the season, and the two midfielders that Klopp had obviously identified as helping Liverpool take that next step, they're actually now amongst it appears the some of the first two names on the on the team sheet in Cater and Fabinho. Yeah, and it's mad when you think one Alden, how is he getting left out? But like, it's sort of just. It just shows how good they've been and, you know, it did take them a while to sort of hit the ground running. It's only really just got going for Kayser, hasn't it, with his his two goals coming back to back, first goals for Liverpool. Um, you know, what a week it's been for him and he, he just showed again yesterday. I think I was looking at Kante yesterday and he's still just such a good player when you watch him. He just picks up the ball and he'll run through, but he weren't allowed to sort of get through. And I thought, I think our midfield now... Maybe last season it would have done, wouldn't have done that, but they just seem to like control it, control like people like Kante bursting through, and like with the defense we've got as well, everyone just seems relaxed in the roles, and it's like really nice to see. And I think you know 
obviously winning bodes confidence, doesn't it? So you're saying that. But um, we're in such a good place with the midfield because obviously we've been talking all season, like who's going to play? And it's always been this big question, you know. Now it does seem to have sort of solidified itself for the last, for the running, hopefully. Um, and I don't like to see when Aldham left out and he probably will play a part as well. Like, you don't really want to see any of them left out. Miller will come and do a job probably in the midfield at some point. But it's just great to have these options and just know, wow, like, you know, whoever Klopp actually does play is going to have a good game, you know. I mean, Gorsi Jürgen Klopp did mention that Liverpool, he said this after the game at Stamford Bridge, actually, that they did a slight number on Jorginho, who, if, if you remember, he started the season so well. What was it, something like 57,000 passes in his first six games or something <laughs> stupid like that. But um, since then, he's perhaps not been quite as effective. But Chelsea actually coming into this game. I know everyone thinks, ah, oh, they got beat 6-0 by City, but that was about two two months ago now. Mm. They've not conceded a lot of goals and they've, they've got themselves back in the reckoning for that top four place and got through to the um, quarterfinals of the... Europa League probably going to be in the semi-finals if we've been honest and to be honest I think they've got a very good chance of if they avoid Arsenal they could play them in the final but uh, Liverpool did a number on him and that's the kind of thing that they've just needed to do isn't it the, the midfield they're able to do things like that and, and even even if that was Klopp said it was uh, Firmino dropping deep but it's another example of how all of the players are working hard for each other Yeah I think sometimes it gets overlooked as well from some supporters that there's two teams who are trying to win a game and Every team's got their strengths and Chelsea are a team going for the top four. So to ignore their strengths, you know, is a risky game. So I think Klopp's instructed his midfielders to basically use their energy to get a, get around Jorginho and close him down and stop him from having that space and time to pick the passes that he's so good at. Um, similar with Hazard, he was obviously their main man. As soon as he got it, Liverpool were working so hard to get two, two and three men around him and cut off the supply line to him. So yeah, they, they did do a number on, on Jorginho and, and Chelsea as a whole. Um, you think Chelsea missed a trick not having Hazard in yeah, his normal yeah, position because the minute yeah. he went there, it's like, yeah, and I know, I know, I know, Higuain uh, came on and may as well have not been there. They should have brought Giroud on as well because he he's got a very good record against Liverpool. I was delighted when he didn't I know, come on. I was delighted. Yeah. delighted when he didn't come on. As soon as I've seen Hazard lining up in, in the, the centre forward role, I was made up to see that because of th- I think. Um, do you think? Do you think they did? Sorry to interrupt. Do you think they did that to? Because they were so concerned about the midfield, yeah. and they didn't yeah. want they didn't want him as part of that. Whether that I don't know, because I think it was Hudson Odoi and uh, William, wasn't it, on the wings? So they just didn't want him as part of that midfield because they had wanted to keep the Liverpool's two fullbacks occupied with the two wingers. And so, but if they put Hazard in midfield, he might have lost a little bit of that edge in there. I think it might have been a case of, of Sardi not trusting his, his centre forwards as well. I think. Obviously, they brought in Higuain in, in January, and I said earlier on the night this morning that I think he made this Premier League move maybe five years too late. Um, not not the, the force he once was. Olivier Giroud is probably a, a very good backup, but I don't think he, he's the top man to lead you to, to where you want to be if, if you've got serious designs on winning the Premier League. So I think Sarri maybe just popped in Hazard there and was hoping that William and Hudson and were going to occupy the fullbacks and, and cut off that supply line from them because that's. But let's face it, that's where Liverpool's creativity is these days, isn't it? In the wide areas. Um, but it didn't work out and Liverpool's just so strong at home, aren't they? It's coming up to two years unbeaten in the Premier League at home and um, they don't look like they're going to be uh, relinquishing that anytime soon. I'm glad you mentioned the unbeaten run there at home because now there's only Chelsea's 86 game, I think it was, unbeaten run. There's, there's, there's this longer. But... Liverpool, while they obviously deserved to win and for the majority of the game they were in control, there was that 10-minute spell after they went 2-0 when Hazard did drop off to the left wing where 
for whatever reason it was, they just got a little bit wild, as, as Jurgen Klopp would say, but not in a good way. But it was at a time when Liverpool just needed a little bit of game management. And in the end, Juan Alderman, again, we mentioned him, he, he came on and there were one or two tweaks. I think Milner came on a bit later on and for a while he went left back and Robertson went went left wing and they, they swapped around towards the end. But they just needs to calm it down a little bit. Do you think they got a little bit caught up in the atmosphere immediately after that second goal? Yeah, I think so. And and I think, you know, the guys are right in what we said about Hazard there. It, from the outset, it felt like Chelsea had compromised a little bit what what's been working well for them recently and you know they did shuffle the pack and, and put him put him in the middle but he's such a dangerous player that he's always going to get a look in and then um, that that touch he took for the chance to hit the post was just obscene you know there's all I think in every single game there's always going to be a chance with him on the pitch that there'll be a five ten minutes spell where you are going to struggle but the thing for me on that is is as you said Dolly it's, it's those subs like the start of the season it felt like Klopp almost couldn't get his subs wrong people were not only coming on and contributing but you know scoring getting assists um you know, game management and all that type of thing was looking like it was it was working much better for Liverpool. And then there's been a spell recently where you know maybe they were the, the, the wrong decisions, but some people coming off the bench. Which which game was it? I think maybe maybe the Everton the United games were the were the decisions right in what he did. But but these two were absolutely spot on. Um, and it, and it goes back to the point we were saying before. But two midfielders came on. Certainly one of whom in Wan Adam, who had looked like he'd been needing a rest in recent weeks yeah. and, and, and he got it. But he was great. He, he slowed it down. And, you know, you know what you're getting with Milner. Um, and, he, and he was fantastic again. And they, they've both uh, made a good case maybe for a start midweek. But we will come on to that, I'm sure. We will. Uh, come back to Cater, uh, Kiva. Um, there was a difference with him, certainly I saw on Sunday, is that in the very first minute, he not only got the ball and did something with it. He was actually actively asking for it. He, you could see him shouting and put his hands out to his teammates that he wants the ball. And maybe early in the season, certain players were perhaps less inclined to pass to him because whether or not they just didn't think he was quite ready or they wanted to take a safer option because they knew what he was going to try and attempt. But now they're quite happy. They were in the first half. They couldn't get the ball to him quick enough, could they? No, I just think that represents what he's done in the past couple of games and his two goals and the confidence he's got. And then Klopp's belief in him to put him on the team sheet. Then his play as players playing in a team, you know, like who you want to give the ball to. And it's, you know, we used to see it with Coutinho and Gerard. They'd be like the players that give the ball to them and, you know, they'll sort of start something up. And it's nice to see Kate, you know, taking on that role because he got the number eight jet and, it's, you know, he's been highly tipped to sort of be the Gerard for us. And now you sort of seeing him just slowly sort of get there with performances like that. And, you know, it's nice to have that trust from his teammates in him that'll do loads for him as well he'd be thinking everyone wants to give the ball to me and then there was that bit we were just looking at them Paul when he gets the ball and just does like a calming motion like puts his hands like everyone calm down like we've got this yeah. and mm. and then he sort of just like does a little sort of couple of step overs and passes <laughs> the ball back to Alison. and it was just like this is a man who's just come from he must have had no confidence at the beginning of the season when he's not getting played and now he just looks untouchable almost he's just yeah, he's on a on a mountaintop now, isn't he? With his confidence, I think. So, you know, that's what that's what goals does for you in football and playing well and just long may it continue and give Klopp these difficult decisions to who who to play and who to drop. And then obviously you see Milner and Wijnaldum coming on because, you know, these are players that are gonna have an influence. So no matter what he plays in the midfield, he's got the players to come on to change it up and yeah, it's it's a great, it's a great time to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> Gorse, did you agree that Cater's perhaps now showing why Jurgen Klopp a spent big on him and b waited twelve months to make sure that he got him? Yeah, this is the player that 
everyone hoped that they were getting, didn't he, when, when he finally signed. Um, taking him a, a bit of time, and there's been flashes of it, and then it's been one step forward and two back. But since he, since the Southampton game, hasn't he? He's, he's been excellent, and um, I thought he thought he was very good, particularly first half yesterday. Just just a bit of invention, a bit of skill and tricky that not everyone else in that midfield's got, and he definitely su- su- supplies something different. And um, every time he gets on the ball, you, you're sort of sitting on the edge of your seat because you might think something's going to happen. And um, that was an important moment, as Kiva mentioned, in the second half, and Liverpool were just kind of under the cosh a bit and saw getting a bit hairy, wasn't it? And then he, he just got on the ball. It was nothing major, it was just a on the ball, a little calm emotion. Um, stay on the ball, pass it backwards and then just kind of regroup and, and uh, get our heads together and it, it was a, a lovely little move and um, yeah, it, it, as Kiva says, he's another one who's kind of staking his claim now and three, four weeks ago you wouldn't have said that he was... Um, in fact, we, we did say, yeah. We were like, yeah, he's not going to feature now. Like, yeah. <laughs> we, did. It was when we, we did a podcast with Neil Fitzmaurice and um, Neil asked a question I think you brought it up and you said, yeah. you know, you could maybe see him. And I can, was just can thinking, you, can you even see him getting a game? And and it looked, um, it looked like he probably wouldn't. And that was only yeah. a couple of weeks ago. So he's come on leaps and bounds in the same way Henderson has really the last uh, two or three games. Now, Sean, there was a slip in this game towards the end, <laughs> and there was a Liverpool player in possession just inside his own half to the left, towards the left wing. He had the ball and he fell over, and it went to a Chelsea player. However, this time. Nothing Robert happened. Nothing happened. Yeah, <laughs> Andy Robertson. If, if, if for anybody that hasn't seen it, that's unlikely. Obviously, he, Liverpool scrambled back and cleared the danger. And Jurgen Klopp's interesting. He said afterwards, he just said, "Oh, by the way, on the point of this, everybody saw Robbo slip. So that's done now. We're you know the we're not we're book. not the slip. Yeah, the slipping <laughs> book is closed. Is the slipping book closed, or is it only ever going to be closed the minute Liverpool actually win the Premier League title or, or become league champions again?" For the nineteenth time, I suppose there is there is an element of that, but I, I like what Klopp said. It, you know, it, it certainly feels like a full stop on 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 that game. I mean, the the, the kind of the the pressure on Liverpool to win a league title. It's that's that was that was you know there before. That, yeah, that that's game. always been there. Yeah, hasn't it? yeah, it's been what you know twenty nine years, hasn't it? Um, so yeah, but I, I think Klopp was in, in the build up to this game. There was that that pre match press conference where, and you know, understandably so, everyone everyone wants a line to write their stories on. But he was getting a, a few you know multiple questions about that game, and he was, he just didn't want to talk about it. He was like, this that doesn't have any kind of bearing on on this now because it's you know five years on. Um, and I, I think he took the right attitude because obviously the, the the players didn't play like that game was was weighing on anyone's mind. Um, and you know, the, 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 as we've said about the crowd, they 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 stepped up on the day and put. You know, clearly people weren't thinking about that. Um, so yeah, full, full stop on that one, and fingers crossed, their different outcome this season. Now there is another competition that Liverpool are in, the Champions League. They are Paul back in action on Wednesday. I know everybody's <laughs> wouldn't say obsessed with the Premier League title, but they're very excited about it. And it's like it's almost like snuck under the radar that Liverpool are suddenly two 0 up against Porto in a quarter final of a Champions League. And you know, if if they negotiate, they're going to be in a semi final. It, it could be against Barcelona. If it's not, it would be against Manchester yeah. United. But there is still a job to be done, isn't there? There is. Uh, everyone's become gripped by title fever, haven't they? And the Champions League has strangely gone under the radar. Um, maybe Liverpool are getting complacent because they were in there last season and the tune up from the first leg. But it's another massive game, isn't it? And I think, as I said before, I think it's a welcome distraction. It's something that they can just help take the mind off the, the pressures of the Premier League. And they can just go and enjoy the, the Champions League and see where they land. Um, fully expect them to, to complete the job on Wednesday night. Porto will, will offer a lot more than, than they did on uh, last Tuesday. But I think just the way that 
Liverpool are defensively solid now. They can dig in and, and dig out the results. And obviously the pace they've got on the break, uh, I fancy them to, to get through. And then it's either City or Barcelona in the semi-final. City or Barcelona? Yeah, sorry, uh, United <laughs> or Barcelona. And neither of them look convincing in that game, did they? To, to, I mean, to be fair, I think Barcelona might be a bit better than I know, Manchester but United. They, they just showed something in that game, a little lapse. And I know they were completely dominant when 1-0. They should have probably scored more almost, but they just didn't. Well, that, that, we're talk, that we're talking about that game, Liverpool fans were looking at it. Is, is that complacency or is it confidence, confidence. In, in Liverpool that they can get the job done? I think it's confidence, yeah. definitely. It's just it's something we've had in Europe anyway without a good team. We didn't need a good team to have confidence in Europe because before winning it in 2005, we won, we won it four times, then obviously the fifth. Then last year, what we've done then, you know, we did that on just sort of, you know, with the midfield trio that we say we didn't have all these other options did we now we're in this place but we're less sort of like we're not talking it up because we have you know obviously 29 years of the league title it's you know it's such a long drought and the fans are just so heavily focused on that that Europe it is our romance anyway and it's just become our sort of I don't know. It's just like nice, isn't it? Just to just to watch Liverpool and feel relaxed. And it was at Anfield last last uh, Tuesday, and then it will hopefully be in Porto. Just you know, another co- a competent game because you know the Reds are good in Europe and they're good in the league as well. They're good <laughs> we, everywhere. I'd say. Are we are we not worried though that this might end up being a little bit complacent? Because if Porto score first, suddenly it's game on. Yeah, but I I, I don't think it will be at this stage. I mean, Liverpool's record in scoring and, and knockout ties away from home is it, it's great isn't it they've done it at, at, at some of the biggest kind of cathedrals of European football in this season and last season um, so I think I think the Reds will score and then that makes Porto's job very very difficult but um, I, don't, I don't think there'll be complacency either I think Klopp, Klopp will guard against that um, but yeah I, I agree with what the guys have said I think that it has it has flown under the radar a little bit uh, the, the Champions League run certainly these latter stages of it because remember thinking back to the Bayern game there's been a few couple of those draws one in the league not not long before that and it just felt like we, Liverpool fans and the crowd needed something to, to just kind of take their mind off the league challenge and then and then I'd flip that and say for, for Porto it was like I think the players needed it and it was you know you'd, you'd have liked a couple more goals uh, more than just the 2-0 but I don't think it was complacency I think it was just very it was very business-like that performance mm. uh, and it didn't it didn't feel like a Champions League quarter-final but then obviously the fact that we played Porto last season I think feeds into that Um so yeah, I think there's every reason to be confident on Wednesday and I think one one goal for the Reds would, would see them through. So what are we talking in terms of the team then? We shall finish with this before our predictions. Are we saying Alisson and goal? It's a controversial he decision. Might, he might sneak it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, Andy Robinson didn't play the last leg. Are we expecting him to play? I think he'll come back for this, yeah. yeah. Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold at right back? Yeah. Van, yeah. Virgil van Dijk, not rested him. Virgil van Dijk, and then I guess it's... it's now, are we going to pick Matt, Matip or Lovren? I think it might be Lovren, actually. I think, I think Lovren Lovren's going to play him. as well, yeah. Uh, the front three being the front three as per, or would you not think about maybe resting one of them from the start and giving a Rigi a go? Maybe drop no. Matt, maybe rest Mane? Maybe so. rest Firmino? I think I might start a Rigi, actually. Mm. Uh, either Mane. Interesting. Mm. Nobody else? I don't know. I think you need a goal early to sort of settle that and get it done. So you two eat the all start I'd, I'd, and then and yeah. then take them off. Yeah. yeah, I think I'd do that. You know, no no disservice to Regan. You could definitely argue he deserves a start, mm-hmm. but would that seem a little bit of a signal from the Reds if they didn't start those front three that are they taking this, this that seriously? Might be well, complacency yeah, gonna, and to be fair, if they do get through, then you're looking at Huddersfield at home could be a game where 
certain yeah. players could could come in and that's again not being complacent that's just the reality of the situation if you can't rest players for a game at home against a team that's already very relegated when can you? I don't know they'll look at uh, Fulham beating Everton I know it's away in different circumstances but you can't um, I think can't Liverpool might be Liverpool might you? be slightly better than Everton as well this season yeah, I'm just I saying though, you controversial could, call there for me and Doyle games, teams are relegating they just sort of want to have their last say yeah, they were also Fulham's at home yeah, no. So other than that, great, great, great I'm example. Just saying, <laughs> we can't be complacent in any game. Yeah, uh, I watched Huddersfield at the weekend against Spurs, and Spurs didn't really have to do much to win four 0 and Lucas Moura got hat trick. So I don't think that's going to trip Liverpool up. But dealing with the Porto game, then so the f- the midfield three, then this is what we're coming midfield. to. Well, I'd I'd almost work backwards on this one. I'd I'd have Cater Fabino and Henderson for Cardiff, so it's then. How many changes do you think you have to make? Yeah. Um, you go for a one Alden Milner and Lallana if he's fit. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting though because he could actually do he that. Could do, he could do he that. Could do. Yeah. Um, I'd certainly have. I'd certainly have one Alden starting. I guess the question is who's who's your who's your deepest line midfielder? Could it be Genie? I mean, he's done that. Done that a fair there's bit. No, I would. There's no point doing that risk. when you've got a couple of them that can do that mm. already. Yeah. I know mean, Wan did that uh, at this stage last season, the second yeah. leg of the quarterfinal yeah. yeah. at Manchester City. But I think it'd be a bit of a risk, an unnecessary risk to put in there yeah. when there are other options. I think I'd go um, Fabinho, Keita and Milner for this one. Interesting. I'd be worried not to play Keita just in case he sort of, you just, because it's a good thing he's yeah, got going just, and you just don't want to like the type of player who needs a, a run, doesn't he? And yeah. you might shatter his confidence after this, this good week. It's good 10 days. I mean, I think, it, yeah, Keita, one album definitely, one album definitely playing and Possibly, Possibly Milner, Milner, yeah, mm. Milner. But then you go and who is going to be the person playing the deeper role? So maybe not. Okay, I'm going to say not Cater. I'll say uh, Henderson, Juan uh, Alden, and Milner. The old European mm. stand, my yeah. favourite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, finish then score prediction, Sean. Um, two one to Liverpool. I'm going to go with one all, Gorsty. Yeah, I was going to say one all actually. Yeah, two 0 Liverpool. Oh, fair enough. Right. That's in, that's enough. Uh, join us later this week where we'll be reporting live from Portugal. Cheerio. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.